Hey there, basketball aficionados. Get ready to lace up your sneakers because on today's episode of Shot Clock Scribbles, we're diving into the whirlwind of trades that went down at the trade deadline in the association on Thursday. From blockbuster deals to surprising swaps, we're breaking it all down for you. But wait, there's more. We're not just talking about trades. We're also gearing up for the dunk and skill competitions that is happening next weekend at the All-Star Weekend in Indy. Stick around as we analyze the contenders and make my predictions on who I think is going to soar to victory and who's got the skills to pay the bills. Know what I mean? Who do you guys have to win it all here? I definitely want to hear you guys' thoughts. Mention them in the comments. And speaking of sorry, let's talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers who are riding high on a nine-game winning streak. Can they keep the momentum going or is this just a flash in the pan? We're breaking down their winning ways and what it means for their playoff aspirations in the East. But before we wrap up, let's take a moment to reflect on the Black Mamba himself, Kobe Bryant, as his first of three statues was unveiled at Crypto Arena on Thursday. We'll share some of our favorite Kobe memories and celebrate the enduring legacy of one of the best to ever lace up some sneakers on the hardwood. So grab your jersey and your popcorn because we've got a slam dunk of an episode coming your way right here on the Shot Clock Scribbles. Make sure you guys subscribe, follow, and tell a friend about this show. So without further ado, let's go ahead and start. So for all of these trades and swaps, I'll be giving them a letter grade that is an A, B, C, D, or F. So let's go ahead and break down the first one here. The Mavs and Thunder swap picks on February 8th. The Mavericks receive a 2024 first-round pick. The Thunder receive a 2028 first-round pick swap. So I give the Mavs here a B+. They're trying to win now. And you know what? The Thunder have a lot of picks that they need to get rid of. Sam Presti over there is looking to see what he will do in the future. More about the Thunder and the Mavericks a little bit later. But this is a good move for the Mavericks. I think they did a lot of good business at the trade deadline. They're trying to win now. They're not trying to wait till later here. They want to win right now with Luca, Kai, Derek Lively, who was a great pick by the front office, by the way, and a good supporting cast. And they also just traded for Daniel Gafford as well, which I think is an underrated move, especially in the West. But we'll also be talking about that a little bit later. So I give the Mavericks a B-plus here. The Thunder really need to get rid of a lot of pick swaps and some picks for the Thunder. I'll give them a B. All right. Next one here is a Celtics land Xavier Tillman from the Grizzlies. This is on February 7th. Celtics receive Xavier Tillman. And the Grizzlies receive Lamar Stevens, a 2027 second round pick via the Hawks, 2030 second round pick via the Mavs. And for this particular one, I'll give the Celtics a B minus. So Xavier is shooting 40.8% from the field, averages around 4.6 rebounds. And he doesn't shoot the three ball very good, 22.2%. He's not really going to be killing you guys on threes. But the C's really wanted to 
get rough around the edges there with their big men and they get that in Xavier. He's not really a player that backs down from any shit, really. He would talk shit to your best player and go after it. So I think this is a good option for the Celtics. And, you know, he's a solid power forward that would defend and who back up the C's big rotation here with Porzingis and some of the other guys out, Holford, and some of those other guys on the Celtics. For the Grizzlies, I give those guys a C plus. You're trying to structure contracts around depleted team. Let's be honest. John Moran is missing for the rest of the year. You have Marcus Smart hurt. And I've got one of the other ball handlers as well. He's out for the for the next couple of weeks here. But they're also playing with a lot of G League players right now. So this is not bad business, but I'll, I'll give him a C plus. You get rid of an expiring contract. I think he's a little bit under $2 million for you. And so you're trying to pick up other players down the line here. So not a bad business move by the Grizzlies. C plus. Another trade surrounding the Grizzlies here. Rockets trade for Grizzlies. Steven Adams. This is on February 1st. So the Rockets receive Steven Adams and the Grizzlies receive Victor Oladipo and three second round picks. So for the Grizzlies, honestly, I give them an A for this one. You get rid of the big man that's been pivotal to your success in the past, but has been out for this whole entire year. There are hopes that he was going to come back this year, but that's not the case. As we all saw, he missed the end of last season as well. So he is having problems with injuries. And honestly, it's a like-for-like swap with Victor Oladipo and Steven Adams, not in the positions, but as far as injury ridding, Victor Oladipo has been injury prone as well. I give the Grizzlies an A there because they also get three second round picks. Victor Oladipo for Steven Adams. So honestly, that is not bad business at all. You get to rebuild with those three picks you have in this upcoming draft. You get Victor Oladipo that has had injuries throughout his career. It's very notable here, but you get a lot of veteran leadership in that locker room. You got a lot of young dudes out of that out of that camp. So you get a lot of veteran leadership for them. The Rockets, I give them a C minus for this one. You get Steven Adams, but you also give away three second round picks. So that's what I think about that one. Let's move on. February 7th, the Timberwolves added guard Monte Morris from the Pistons. So the Timberwolves received Monte Morris. The Pistons received Troy Brown Jr., Sheik Melton, and a 20 30 second round pick. So for the Timberwolves, I'm giving them a B plus because this gives you a good backup at the point guard position. We saw him have success with the Denver Nuggets. It's proven that he can be a great backup to Jamal Murray there. He does go to a team that is looking to make a late push in the playoffs this year. Not a bad move for the Timberwolves. He hasn't really played much at all this year. In fact, he's only played six games and he's been out with a right quad strain. So he missed a lot of time this year. So let's see what happens with him this season. For the Detroit Pistons, I give him a B plus. The Pistons are looking to rebuild. So they're trying to rebuild. You move some things around here. So you get some rotational players out of Troy Brown Jr. and Shake Shake Milton. He shoots 40% from the field. He's not a great three-point shooter, 25.9%. And he has played 39 games so far this season. Troy Brown Jr., the small forward, had a pretty good stint with the Lakers. I remember when he was with the Lakers 
but hasn't really gotten in the Wolves rotation here. So they get rid of him. He's averaging 4.3 points and he's not a bad three-point shooter. I think he's a little bit past 30% from the three-point here. So not too shabby there. All right, we're going to move on here. February 8th, veteran Patrick Beverly headed to the Bucks. Bucks receive Patrick Beverly and the 76ers receive Cameron Payne and a 2027 second round pick. So for the Bucks, I give him an A plus for this one. So it's well noted in my previous pods. I talked about the Bucks not really being good on the defensive end. And you know what? You get somebody that's very locked into defense. Patrick Beverly and Damian Lillard have had a pass, as we all know. Obviously, they're going to have to make up here because they're going to be on the same team. So that's going to be kind of interesting to kind of see how that develops. But knowing those two guys, it's going to be business. And they're going to have to just put their differences aside and buckle up for the season here because they haven't won the last couple of games with Doc Rivers at the helm. They give up a player that I'm not really crazy about in Cameron Payne. He gets you buckets in Spurs, really. So not 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 a bad move for the Bucks to get rid of Cameron Payne. I think you give you give up some salvageable assets in this trade. Pat and Doc have history together with the Clippers, so there's more of an enforcer, especially on the defensive end. Doc can be like, hey, Pat, tell these guys, lock up on defense, and like, you be my voice out there and it's been noted that Giannis needs more accountability and who better to do that than Patrick Beverly here who's going to hold you guys up to a better standard especially on the defensive end we saw that clip of Patrick Beverly on the sideline grabbing the clipboard and coaching players on the sideline so I love that I think that's what you need let's see how these guys continue to do the Bucks really have not played well ever since they acquired Doc Rivers. All right, next trade here, February 8th. The Pacers acquire Corey Joseph from the Warriors. So the Pacers receive Corey Joseph, a 2025 second-round pick via Charlotte, and cash considerations. What do the Warriors receive? They get a 2024 second-round pick. So I give a B. To the Warriors here, they had the largest payroll in the NBA. So you don't want to get too deep in the luxury tax. Obviously, Corey Joseph is not going to be a crazy expensive player, but you get rid of a couple of million there. You get rid of a contract and you bet more on your younger players, especially like Brendan Podinsky, who has played really good for them and handling the ball. And those guys have been winning a lot more games lately, especially on that road trip as of late. So you get him more minutes since Chris Paul has been out. So you hope to get him back. They didn't really do too much business, the Warriors. I think they're really betting on the corn that they have there and their rotational players moving forward here. I think it's fine that the Warriors didn't do much of the dread deadline here. I know I talked about Wiggins. They needed to get rid of Wiggins. And they've had a tough luck with injuries, honestly, and their rotation this year. And news just came out today that Clay is fine with the reduced role with the Warriors next year. So that's pretty big because this whole year, Clay has been wanting the max that he can get out of the Warriors, but he knows that he's not going to be able to get that with the Warriors. So he's fine with the reduced role, which is honestly a smart move from Clay. 
maybe he can get this out of his mental now and focus solely on basketball. And honestly, Clay hasn't played bad basketball this year. I think he's averaging around like 18 points this year. So not bad. And it's going to be good for Clay. And for the Warriors, you also lose a good veteran in court. Joseph here has been in the association for several years, 10 plus years. But you get a second round pick this year. So I'll give the Warriors a lot of kudos for this. They've drafted really well in the draft. Jonathan Kaminga, Podemski, uh, Trey Jackson III. And shout out to their s- scouting team because a lot of their core players have been drafted and developed right there in the Bay. So shout out to them. You don't really hear too much about that these days. So that's what I'll give that. For the Pacers, I'll give the Pacers a B plus for this one. All right. Let's move on to the next one here. All right. So the Nets acquired Dennis Schroeder from the Raptors on February 8th. So what do the Nets receive? Of course, they get Dennis Schroeder. They also get Thaddeus Young. The Raptors receive Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer just signed with the Lakers off of waivers here. So for the Nets, I give them a B plus on this one. You get rid of a ball handler that really likes the ball in his hands and can make a lot of plays. And you get another ball handler here in Dennis Schroeder. He had that nice assist to end the game the other day with the alley whoop towards the end of the game. Pretty amazing to see. Honestly, I love Dennis. I still wish he was on the Lakers. Very good backup PG here. But of course, Ben Simmons has missed a lot of games this year. So it kind of makes sense that they're looking for another player and and a ball handler and can make plays. So you got Mikael Bridges and Dennis Smith Jr. as also the other ball handlers. But I think it's a good idea to get rid of Spencer, who also demands a ball heavily in his hands. And he's a good playmaker and he shoots a three at a pretty good clip here. So... Lakers pick him up, and that's really the only move the Lakers made this trade deadline, which honestly is smart because for the players that were out, I wouldn't really give up your first-round picks and Austin Reeves and D'Lo. So I'll talk about the Lakers at the end here, but that's a little bit insight on that. Thaddeus Young is getting towards the end of his career. He's, He's 35 years old, so if you're the Nets, you most likely get rid of him after this season, to be quite honest. That's what I would do. But if you want to just keep him there, if you want to just keep him there for ship, then yeah, go ahead and do that by all means. Let's switch gears to the garden. All right. So the New York Knicks trade for Bogdanovich and Burks on February 8th. So the Knicks get Alec Burks, Bohan Bogdanovich, and the Pistons get a slew of things including Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, Quentin Grimes, Ryan Arcedia-Cono, two future second-round picks and cash considerations. And Ryan, I'm sorry, I butchered your name there. But pretty good business for those New York Knicks out of the garden. I think the Knicks did the best business, either them or Dallas here. They pick up a point guard to add to the rotation to give Jalen Brunson arrest and also adding a guy that can get his own shot at any time in Bohan Bogdanovich. You get rid of Quentin Grimes and Evan Fournier, who has been praying for the Knicks to get rid of him. So he finally gets his voice here. But let's talk about Bohan real quick. 
So Bohan averages around 20 points per game and is shooting 46% from the field. And he's a great three-point shooter at 41.3% from the three this year. And to give you guys some comparison, that's pretty close to Steph Curry's career average from three. Pretty good move there. And then Alec Burks, he played under Tibbs before, so he knows the system and he's familiar with the area and with the coach and with the plays, so that's good for them. You give up two future second-round picks in here, but that's okay because the team is going to win right now. The Knicks are probably doing the best that they ever have in like the last 10 years or so, ever since maybe like the Carmelo days. I think they got a first-round exit when he was there, but the Knicks are playing really good basketball here, and that city is buzzing more than ever out there, and I just think this is really good business for the New York Knicks. All right, moving on here. February 8th, the Raptors receive Kelly Olenek and Orchai Abaji, and the Jazz receive Otto Porter Jr., Kira Lewis Jr., and a 2024 first-round pick. So for the Raptors, you add the Canadian big man here as part of the, the rebuild. Still got a lot in the tank, actually, too, for this young team here. They're building, of course, around Scotty Barnes, Emmanuel Quickly, and Barrett. So I give the Raptors a B-plus for this one. Pretty good stuff that they get in return. And Abaji, the big man, too, is going to add some good minutes to the rotation for them. For the Jazz, I give the Jazz an A. You know why? Because they get a first-round pick for those guys. Two guys. So Will Hardy and his coaching staff will be trying to continue to build that roster out. And hopefully you get a good asset in the draft. You have decisions with what you want to do, of course, with Jordan Clarkson and Laurie Markkinen. They most likely keep Markkinen. That's a big, vital piece in your puzzle. So let's see what they do in the offseason, if any, really. All right. Next one, February 8th, the Thunder add Hayward from the Hornets. The Thunder receive Gordon Hayward. The Hornets receive Michik, Trey Mann, Davis Bartons, a 2024 second round pick via the Rockets and a 2025 second round pick via the 76ers. So I give a C plus for the Thunder here. Gordon Hayward is towards the decline of his career. He's 33 years old, but you know what? He's injury-prone, man. I know Sam Presti and the Thunders here, the Thunders GM. He's long-coveted. Gordon Hayward is not a secret. Everyone knows this. And they get rid of two rotational players. And he's starting to send those picks out. So via that Paul George trade, they have a lot of picks at their disposal. And they have a good amount of players and they've drafted really good that's the thing about OKC is they usually draft pretty good and let's see how this all works out for them and what they get in return but Gordon Hayward like I said he's or he's towards the end of his career yes he can give you some good minutes and can add in some scoring that's basically what he's good at not really that great on defense and for the Hornets they get Michik which I think, you know what? I thought he shot the three-point shot better, but he only shoots it at 27.1%. And he's shooting 43.3% from the field, which is actually solid, but I just thought it was better at a three-point shooter. Trey Mann, of course, they drafted him and they had to do something about these great picks that they've had over the last couple of years. 
they got to pay some of the guys and some, some of the guys need to get shipped out. So that happens. Bertaz didn't really play this year. I don't think he's played very much at all this year. They get rid of him. They'll Fournette's more on them a little bit later. Actually, let's just talk about them real quick. I gave these guys an A minus because it really sounds like with the new ownership that they have, they've decided to flip things around and actually have a vision, man. So the Hornets have been a laughing stock of the league the last couple of years here. You have a interesting aspect in Lamelo, who was an exciting player to watch. He's been out a lot this season with injury. So let's see how he does for the rest of the year. I think he's back now, but I did see him miss a couple more games. So you have Bridges who has a veto in his claws. So interesting to see what happens to him over the off season. He basically can veto a certain trade. That's part of his clause there. And Bridges has been scoring the ball great as of late. And it's just in time to get his trade value up, right? Just when you need to get paid up, you start playing the best ball of your career. That's basically how it goes whenever you are in trade rumors. You get rid of Hayward, who has been injury prone here. And not, not a bad move for the Hornets. All right, so let's move on here. The Phoenix Suns add Royce, O'Neal, Rody in three-team trade on February 8th. So the Suns receive Royce O'Neal via the Nets, David Rody via the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies receive a 2026 first-round pick swap via the Suns, Chimezi Metu via the Suns, Utah Watanabe via the Suns. What do the Nets get? The Nets get Kiera Bates Diop via the Suns, Jordan Goodwin via the Suns, draft rights to Vanja Markinovic via the Grizzlies, and a three future second round pick. Three of those via the Suns. So the Suns, I give them a B minus for this one. I think you get rid of two good rotational players here in Metu and Watanabe, the former Brooklyn men. But you get a good defensive player back in Royce O'Neal, who shoots a three ball at 36.7%. And he can guard some of your best perimeter players. And I think KD probably had a say in this because they played together in Brooklyn. So you give up a few picks in this, three of them, but you're already in a tough spot. I mean, you're spending a lot of money on your three best players here. So you really capped out at what you can do for business. So honestly, I think this is a good business move. You bring in a solid player to the rotation and get rid of a few players and picks here. For the Grizzlies, I give them a B plus for this one because you add some good rotational players in the lineup. There've been a lot of G League players for the Grizzlies and they need more help. Those guys are depleted out of Memphis there, out of Bill Street. So pretty good business. And you give up Brody, who averages eight points and four assists and shoots 40% from the field, which is a good pickup for the Suns here. Let's move on. So the Bucks trade Robin Lopez to the Kings on February 8th. The Kings receive Robin Lopez and cash considerations. The Bucks receive draft rights to Dimitri Agravenis. So honestly, for the Kings, I give them a C for this move. Not sure why they signed the four slash five player here. If you didn't really need to play him or want to play him. It looks like this was a big miss from the scouting team as the Greek player gets sent to Milwaukee. 
I thought the Kings were going to do more business, actually, you know, because they shaved Ray for cash considerations here because they wanted to make some more room on the roster. So they upgraded Keon Ellis after all this, and they guarantee him to a three-year contract. And he gets the last official spot on the roster for this season. So he was previously a two-way player with the Stockton Kings, but he hasn't played with the Stockton Kings at all in this season. Played very good for the Sacramento Kings and has backed up DeFox when he was hurt early on in the season. And he has earned his contract. So Keon, if you're listening to this, shout out to you, man. Keep on doing your thing. I thought the Kings really needed to get some more rim protection during this trade deadline. Sure, they have Alex Len and JaVel McGee, the seven footers, as backups to some bonus. But who's going to stop Jokic? I mean, yeah, I know the Kings just beat the Nuggets the other night. Actually, the Kings played very good against him the other night. But can you do that on seven-game series? I don't know. I think you need more reinforcements here. It just seems like the Kings were content with what they have and are looking at the summer to actually make those moves. So let's see how things shake up for them. It's worthwhile to note that Sacramento Kings got out to a fast start after the All-Star game last year. They had a really good second half of the season. So let's see if they can continue their success that they had last year after the All-Star break. All right, moving on. Speaking about the Sacramento Kings, on February 8th, 76ers deal for Pacers Buddy Heald. So the Sixers get their former Sacramento man Buddy Heald via the Pacers. And oh boy, the Pacers get a lot. So I must save my breath. So the Pacers get Korkmaz, Doug McDermott via the Spurs, 2024 second round pick via the Raptors, 2029 second round pick via the Blazers, cash considerations via the 76ers, and the Spurs get Marcus Morris, a 2029 second round pick via the LA Clippers, and cash considerations. Let's go ahead and break this one down. I give the 76ers a B here. At this point, it's going to be very hard to win without JoJo, and they're losing a lot of games now without having him. So it's very telling that he is the MVP if he was fully healthy. And this tells me that they don't really have a good pulse when JoJo will come back. And it doesn't seem like they have good optimism for the rest of the season here. So they start making moves sooner than later. And they get rid of two rotational players for an elite three-point shooter to help them out and also give up cash considerations here. The Pacers, no real thoughts here. I give them a B minus. You're always going to move Buddy Hill. It was talked about a lot before this deadline. So they get that done and you get decent role players with this. I think Marcus Morris is a good pick for the Spurs. He's been in the league for a while. Those guys are young over there. So for him to help out Fesso and Victor Wembayama, I think is great. And the Pacers, Okmaz is a good three-point shooter and Doug McDermott is also a good three-point shooter. Those guys are young and they love to run. And they're number one in offensive rating right now, the Indiana Pacers are. So honestly, not a bad decision for the Pacers here. We'll go ahead and switch gears now. 
All right. So the Mavs add PJ Washington from the Hornets on February 8th. I think this one was the more interesting one. Out of the deadline, the Mavs received PJ Washington, a 2024 second round pick. 2028 second round pick, the Hornets received Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a 2027 first round pick. So for the Hornets, I give them an A because you're always going to move PJ. So it comes at a perfect time where you can also get some picks in the next four years here. The Mavs did good business, as I mentioned. I'll give them the B for this one. They get a good rotational player in PJ, whose numbers have actually declined in the last few seasons here. But he's a long power forward and helps you defensively with his long body. He's averaging 13.5 points per game, five rebounds, and is at 54.7 true shooting percentage. So that's, that's pretty good. Dallas, you saw him get a few lobs from Luca already. I think he's going to mesh well with that team there, especially when you have a good player in Luca and Kyrie. The better players that you're around, better environment, you're definitely going to thrive. Seth Curry here was always on that mid-level deal and really wasn't going to get that many minutes in Dallas. He also had issues with injuries. He gets back home to Charlotte and he's playing in his dad's former number here, number 30, which is pretty cool actually since one other player has worn it since Dale Curry here. Grant Williams, I know, has been talked about recently. There was a joke that was made that, oh, hey, Grant switched back to Jason Tatum. Of course, Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic both are Jordan Brand players. And this year, Grant was wearing Luka's, but he switched over to Tatum's shoes, so... Not so sure if that was actually why he actually left. I heard the Hoop Collective and those guys talking about it. But anyway, Grant Williams, it's it's said that he didn't really mesh well with the organization down there and he rubbed people the wrong way. So you give up a lot to get Grant Williams and they move him at the deadline, which really means that they really couldn't stand him and they wanted to get him out the door ASAP. He's had histories with players during the NBA, and he's one of those players, like, he's going to shit-talk your best players. He doesn't back down from shit, and he's just going to talk the talk. And it just looked like he didn't really mesh very well with the people in the big D there. So those are my grades for the trade deadline. I know that was a lot of trades, but I just had to give each single one a grade, and the second half shall be interesting here. Now we're going to switch the page and talk about the All-Star Weekend. There has been some late developments in the slam dunk contest. The participants just got named a couple of days ago. So we'll be talking about that. But I want to know, who do you guys have it to win it all here? Some pretty cool participants taking part in this year's challenge. Also, the skills challenge participants have also been named. And I'll be reading that out. And I'll be giving my predictions in who I think is going to win the skills challenge competition and the slam dunk contest. Let's dive right into it. There's great participants in this year's slam dunk contest. There is Jalen Brown, Jaime Hawkins Jr., Mac McClung, and Jacob Toppin. So these four guys will be dunking it up on Saturday night at 5 p.m. 
Pacific time on Saturday the 17th coming up here. So these guys are all taking part in this challenge, but I want to know who do you guys have to win it? I hadn't really heard about Jacob Toppin. Of course, that's Obi Toppin's little brother that plays for the G League affiliate down there in New York. I hadn't really seen his dunks, to be honest with you. And after watching like two minutes of his dunks, I wasn't really impressed with it at all. He's just a straight up dunker. And yeah, he didn't really impress me. Jalen Brown has always been talked about. Like, is he ever going to join this contest? Or he finally does it. People are excited about this one. I'm actually very excited myself too. I think people were always asking him to join this. And you know he's going to bring the heat during this contest. So interesting to see what he brings out of his bag. The rookie, Hame Hakez Jr., who actually should be a Laker. Still pissed about that, by the way. He's impressed this year. And he's a great in-game dunker here. But you also have Mac McClung, who showed out last year. And he's the reigning champion. So he's defending his crown this year. And then the fourth participant here, as I talked about, Jacob Toppin would be also participating. So who do I have to win this? I have Matt McLong. So I think he's taking it this year, man. He's very impressive. He got that spring in his step and he can go in different directions. He's not just an up and down dunker. He can go from side to side. He's like a springboard. So I'm picking him to win this. You know what they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So we do that here. We keep him to win it all here. But I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. want to see who you guys have to win it. Tap in with your thoughts in the comments below. And sticking with the All-Star Weekend here, we have that Kia Skills Challenge taking part on Saturday as well. Three different teams. First team is going to be Team Top Picks. That's Paolo Banquero, the Magic Man, Anthony Edwards, Victor Wambanyama. So those three guys are part of that team. Team top picks. Second team is going to be Team Pacers here. We have Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, and Miles Turner. So some young guys in Indy and the big man, Miles Turner, who is one of the fascinating big mans in the game. Certainly has a lot of skills under his belt. Team All-Stars, the last team here, is going to be Scotty Barnes out of the T-Dot. Tyrese Maxey, and ATL's finest, Trey Young. So pretty interesting guys joining this skills challenge. Of course, all these guys are very exciting. That's why they were chosen. But I have a special team that I think is going to win this one. And that's Team All-Stars, man. I think Scotty Barnes, Tyrese Maxey, and Trey Ice, they are going to get the job done and win this challenge. A lot of versatility in those guys there. So that's who I have to win it. Now we're going to turn the book and talk about those hot Cleveland Cavaliers. So the Cavs have strung together some good wins leading into the All-Star break here. A few of their starters in Darius Garland and the big man Evan Mobley. Those guys have missed some time this year, but the team is still getting it done. In fact, they're sitting in the second position out in the East. A few weeks ago, they were in the fourth and fifth spot here, but they are climbing the ladders here. Donovan Mitchell, he's been spearheading this along the way. What's going to happen to him in the offseason? There's been a lot of talks about maybe possibly going to the Lakers. 
There were talks of him going to the Knicks last season. Let's see how that all shapes up here. But let's go ahead and break down the Cleveland Cavs, who are first in the Central Division, second in the East, 35-16 and 16 record before today's game. They're playing right now, I think. I'm recording this pod on February 12th. But let's talk about some numbers of the Cavs here. The Cavs are 16th in offensive rating, 116.6. Defensive rating is pretty good, 110.6. What that means there is they're averaging close to 117 points and they're allowing almost 110 points. And their net rating is fifth, so that's pretty good. You will definitely want to be under 10. So five is pretty good. They could shoot the three ball a little bit better here, 36.2. They're 20th in the league in the three ball. The last couple games here, they beat the Toronto Raptors 119 to 95, the Nets 118 to 95, the Wizards 114 to 106, the Sacramento Kings 136 to 110. Their season leaders in points have been Mitchell, of course, 28.2 in rebounds, Jared Allen, the big man, 10.6, and Mitchell again with assists, leading the pack at 6.3. So they're 35 and 16, and they're five games back on the number one spot. Of course, the Celtics are at number one, sitting right behind them, though, the Bucks, the Knicks, and the Sixers, respectively, here. So Darius Garland comes back. He's given them 18.3 points per game. And then Evan Mobley as well. He comes back from injury. 15.9 points is what he gives them. On the rebound side, Jared Allen, we just talked about him, 10.6 rebounds. Evan Mobley is going to give you more than 10 rebounds a game as well. So they are happy to get him back on the boards. He averages 10.3 rebounds. And Donovan Mitchell gets 5.4 rebounds here. So these guys have a pretty good lineup. They have Karis Levert, shooting guard out of Michigan here, 6'6". He is an essential part of their second unit. I see a lot of games when he comes in. He's a spark off their bench, kind of like Malik Monk for the Sacramento Kings. But they have Isaac Okoro as well. I like him, number 35. Shooting guard, he's 6'5", 225 pounds. Max Struess, that's been a game changer for them. The, the small forward, 6'5", 215 pounds. He can shoot the three ball at a very high clip, I think. They definitely wanted to get some more shooting. Of course, I just mentioned they're 20th in the league with the three-point shot, but they added Max, and he's a great three-point shooter. And George Niang as well, the power forward out of Iowa State, 6'7", power forward here. He gives him a lot of good minutes out of the edges there. Evan Mobley, 6'11". He's really long, man. Katino Mobley's son here, 6'11", and he gives you a lot of versatility around the block. And he can shoot the three-point ball as well. Pretty good roster that those guys have. J.B. Bickerstaff and his staff. They're going to be happy at where they're sitting here in the second position in the East. All right, let's focus in on Donovan Mitchell here. All right. So Donovan Mitchell, I want to talk about his contract. So he signed a five-year deal, $163 million. His average salary is around $32.6 million. That's a lot in the bag there. 
This year, he's getting 32.6 million from the Cavs. He gets a trade bonus of a little bit over $550,000. But next year, he's owed more. And the year after that, owed a little bit more as well. So next year, his base salary is going to shoot up to $34.8 million. And in 25 to 26 season, he'll be owed $37 million even. And then in 2026, he's an unrestricted free agent. So a lot of money, but you know what? Donovan Mitchell is a hell of a fucking player. And honestly, I always vouch for him. And I saw him play in Sacramento this year. And he's just a dog, man. He gets downhill quite a lot. And he's just one of those fascinating players to watch in the NBA that can really tear up your defense. He's really good about getting downhill. He gets to the line at a, at a respectable clip as well. And he can shoot the three ball at a respectable clip as well. That's his salary and what that looks like. Obviously, it's not going to be cheap. If he goes to the Knicks or the Lakers, I don't know if the Lakers have enough cap room to even add him because you have LB and AD taking up majority of your payroll and then you just added Reeves to an extension last season. And then also Russell getting a good amount of money as well. So that's what that salary looks like. Let's see what happens with him in the offseason. There's been a lot of talks. So let's see. To finish out today's podcast, we're going to talk about my favorite Kobe memories. So as a Lakers fan, that is my favorite player of all time. So we have to talk about some of my favorite memories. As we all know, the statue just got unveiled at Crypto.com Arena on Thursday. So I wanted to kind of just dive into that here. I was first introduced to Kobe in like 99 before I came to the United States. He was a flashy young fella that wanted all the smoke, really. And I love the energy that he was giving out. So I watched all the games that they had during the three-peat run in the early 2000s. And you just couldn't help but fall in love with these guys and with Kobe. And you can imagine how irritable I was to a lot of Kings fans in the city of Davis where I went to elementary school and I was probably the most annoying motherfucker around I must admit it especially when Big Shot Rob hit that dagger three to win in the stables I was definitely the most annoying fucker around that's a pretty big moment with me I got three point shot bananas another exciting moment in Kobe's career that I really loved was, was the 2009 playoffs I remember very vividly because he was trying to tie Shaq with four rings at that time, Shaq had already got one with the Heat. And he was trying to prove that he can win a championship without Shaq. Because that's all that was written about him is, oh, hey, you can't win without Shaq. And he was like, oh, fuck you guys. I can do this shit. And it's the year that I graduated high school as well. So I remember it very vividly in all nine. It was a good series against Matt Barnes, Dwight Howard, Hito Turkoglu and those guys. And there's that famous clip of Matt Barnes trying to inbound the ball and Kobe doesn't even flinch at all. Cold Bloody Killer, that was a good series that I loved Kobe winning his fourth ring. Another one was Game 7, winning his fifth championship. That was another good memory in my eyes against our rivals in the Boston Celtics. Of course, those guys beat us in 08 and Kobe gets his redemption here and you could just see what it meant to him so that game was played at staples center 
And that's the one where he ended up jumping on the table after the game. It really stands out in my mind. That's another big moment in Kobe's career that I really love. And then another one was when he dropped 61 in the garden. And these days, everyone, man, is dropping 60 points. Like, it's nobody's business. But during that time, it was like, wait a minute, Kobe did what? Of course, he already dropped 81 a couple of years ago before that. But it was like, damn, that's pretty impressive, especially in the garden. Like, that was nuts. I think he did that in all nine. And that was when they won their fourth ring. So a pretty amazing moment in Kobe's career. And of course, we can't talk about Kobe without his 81-point game. That was just out of this world. It was the most points that was scored since Will's 100 points. He was on a tear that night against Dylan Rose. So they made that famous commercial about the 81 olives, which was pretty funny. But that's a top Kobe highlight for sure. And at the end of the game, he gets a standing ovation from the crowd. And that's the statue with him holding up the one in the air at the end of the game. That's the pose that Kobe had wanted to get for his statue. So Vanessa Bryan said at the ceremony that that is the one that he would have chosen. So if you don't like it, tough shit. In true Kobe fashion, pretty dope there. I can't wait to see it. It's the first out of three statues. So I'm excited to see what the other two look like. And of course, his last game, 61, to finish out his career. That was special, man. That was a special day because also the Warriors were playing at the same time and they were trying to chase the best record in the NBA. And Kobe struggled to start the game, but he really turned on the Jets in the, in the third and fourth quarter and was just firing, man. And it was like a fairy tale ending to an amazing career. You had Snoop, you had all these celebrities, Wayne, all these guys sitting in the front row just looking at this fairy tale ending that was pretty amazing to watch. So Kobe, forever in our hearts, man. All right, before we get out of here, I want to talk about a couple of things. Steph hits a buzzer beater against the Phoenix Suns. Unreal. You can never sleep on that guy, man. I swear to God. To end the game out, that was a pretty weird ending. But Draymond gets the block on KD and talks shit. Obviously, those guys are friends, but when they get on the court, it's all business, and Draymond blocks the shot. Warriors win. So the Warriors are picking up a lot of wins lately. They're sitting in the 10th spot, and they're looking to at least try to make the play-in or the playoffs here. So it'll be very pivotal for them. They're winning right now. I forget who they're playing, but it's Monday night, and they're winning right now. Switching gears now, the last point I'll make is the Kings demolished the Denver Nuggets the other night, and... They're getting smoked right now, 100 to 82 in the fourth quarter. So seems like those Nuggets are exhausted from their efforts after beating the Lakers the other night. They're also a team that didn't really do too much at the trade deadline. Anyhow, I appreciate you guys listening to today's podcast. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and make sure to tell all your friends about the shot clock scribbles. Until next time, salud. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking.